theyeshiva.net. Welcome, everybody. Welcome. We're going to start today, Bezer Hashem, a new Mimer, in Drushim L'Rish Hashanah, page 108. Or Daf Nun Dalet, Amid Dalet, Nun Dalet, column 3. Rosh Hashanah starts after Dvarim. You'll see it's in the middle of uh, Parshas Nitzavim. After Nitzavim starts Drushim L'Rosh Hashanah. Then there's going to be Shuva, then there's going to be Hazinu. If you're by Hazinu, you're too far. Or by after Hazinu, you're too far. You want to be after Nitzavim before Hazinu, page 108. 108, Daf Nun Dalet, column 3, Tiku Bachayda Shaifer, you see? Tiku Bachayda Shaifer, Chuli. The Pasuk says in Tehillim, Perik, Kapitel, Pei Aleph, we say it in the Shir Shalyayim of Thursday every day. Tiku Bachayda Shaifer, Bakesalayim Chagenu, Kichaykli Yisrael, who? Mishpat, Lelekei Yaakov. So literally it means Tiku Bachaydash, you should blow during the month Shoifer. Bakesa Liyoim Chagenu in the designated day or the day that's covered, Bakesa in the covering and the eclipse of the day of our holiday. It's a statue for the Jewish people, it's a time of justice for the God of Jacob. Literal translation. This Maimer the Balatanya said. On the Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah of the year Tovkuf Samach Ches, that is 1807. Shabbos before Rosh Hashanah Tovkuf Samach Ches, that's 1807, because of course Rosh Hashanah Tovkuf Samach Ches is still 1807 till January, which was also Shabbos Parshas Nitzavim. So he began the Maimah with a Pasik from Tehillim that obviously deals with Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara asks a question. The Gemara says, Tiku you don't blow Shoifer during the month, you blow Shoifer on Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara explains the answers as follows. Tiku There's only one holiday in the Jewish calendar that the moon is eclipsed during that holiday. Pesach is the 15th of the day, beautiful full moon. Sukkot, Yom Kippur, 10th. There's one holiday when you don't see the moon. And that is, of course, Rosh Hashanah, which is Rosh Chodesh Tishra. It's a new moon, and therefore, usually you don't see it. Or you, you see a tiny little sliver of the moon. So, Ezel Chag, Shachodesh Meskasabai, Tiku Bachodesh Shoifer. Chodesh would mean here, the new month, the beginning of the month. Bat Kesel Yom Chagenu. The day of the Chag that is Kesel, from the word Kisui, Lechasot, Right? It's covered. The moon is covered. This is Rosh Hashanah. It says, Pirush. Bechaydish. What does Bechaydish mean? Bechaydish doesn't only mean a month. It means man chidush levon. The time that the moon is renewed. The moon is reborn, so to speak, on Rosh Hashanah. Reborn in the sense that we observe it once again. After it wanes for the two weeks, since the 15th day of the month till the end of the month, and then it disappears from the perspective, from the vantage point of uh, citizens, the habit of those those who inhabit the earth. So it gets renewed on Rosh Chodesh, which then is also the renewal not only of the moon, but of all creation. Like we say in the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, 
in the Musaf of Rosh Hashanah, it's brought in Gemara, in Rosh Hashanah Chavzayin, this day is called, we say it in the Musaf, Tchilas Ma'asachem, the beginning of your actions, commemoration of the first day of creation, 5,707 or soon 8 years ago. So that's Tiku Bachoydish, blow Shoifer in the time of Chidush, in the time of a new moon and in the time of a new creation. It's the anniversary of the creation of the universe. So in Chazal tell us that the world was created on the 25th day of Elul. In fact, Rosh Hashanah was the sixth day of creation, the day that Adam and Chava were created. Rosh Hashanah was the first Sunday of creation. Then you have Monday was Chavav, Tuesday was Chavzayin, Wednesday was Chavches, and then you have Thursday Chavtes, Friday Lamed, and then you have, I'm, I'm sorry, Chavhei, Chavav, Chavzayin, Chavches, Chavtes is Thursday, and then Friday is the new day, the new month, Aleph Tishrei, which is the first Rosh Hashanah, the day that Adam and Chava are created. If we say in the Musaf, in other words, we're commemorating the anniversary of creation, creation once again, this is the day that creation happened, it's not the day that creation happened, this is the sixth day of creation. Creation happened six days earlier. So Rosh Hashanah should be on Why do we wait till Yom Shishi? You might say, because we don't want to celebrate the anniversary of creation. We want to celebrate the anniversary of you, man, the homo sapien, Adam and Chava. However, we say in the Musaf, That's what we say in the Musaf. The Gemara explains in Rosh Hashanah, at the end of Rish, close to the end of Rosh Hashanah, this is referring to Rosh Hashanah. We say it about Rosh Hashanah. In the Tfilas, the long Musaf of Rosh Hashanah. That's our introduction to what this day is about. But it's not Chilas Masecha. It's the summation of Masech. It's the sixth day. Ah, the answer is Diksiv Bereshis Barelikim. So here he goes into a long explanation. The Pasuk says Bereshis Barelikim. Now we know the word Elikim is a name of Hashem and that's the sole name that's used for Maise Bereshis. The first psukim, the first chapter of Bereshis only has Elikim. At the end, we're going to have Eilu told us HaShemayim Varetz B'yoyim HaSois HaShem Elikim. But for the whole story of creation, it's always Vayar Elikim, Bereshis Bar Elikim, Vayar Elikim, Vayar Elikim, it's all Elikim. Elikim Midas HaTzimtzu. Elikim is associated in Sifri HaNister with the attribute of Tzimtzum, which means restriction withdrawal, limitation, concealment. Tzimtzum means litzamtzem, to compress, to make something small, finite, miniature. So Chazal tells us in the Medrash, and Rashi brings in Berashas, that L'chadchil, everybody knows, Hashem's thought was to create the world with Midas Hadin, the attribute of Din, which is Elikip. Once he saw that the world is not going to survive with Midas Adin, Shittif Imay Midas Arachimim. He introduced, he partnered Midas he made Midas Arachimim the attribute of compassion, a partner. That's why in the story of creation you only have Elikim, which is Midas Hadin, the attribute of judgment. Later he saw, Sinishkan Esek, this company is not going to survive. 
So he says we need a, a little ingredient. We need a, a shutfus. Just like a company, you have to bring in a partner because knowing yourself, this company is not going to work. You need to have a partner who will temper... Uh, <laughs> Who will temper out the situation? Who will balance out the situation? That's why later it says "Be'yoyim asoyis Hashem elokim yutkei vovke elokim," which is "Midas harachim." And the question, obviously, is what does this mean? I can understand a person builds an organization, a website, a company, a movement, a shul, a career, and you thought about it one way, and it doesn't work out. So you say, you know what? We got to restart, re recalculate. Huh? Restructure. Restructure, it's called, yeah. Restructure. We got that. This happens constantly. A person has to be able to say two people fail in life. People who don't have a plan and people who stick to the plan. If you're addicted to your plan, then you have to be able to say, you know what? It was garbage. It's time to put it in the dustbin and start again. I got that. And this happens all the time with people and that's a good, that's a natural way of living. But L'cha'ira, what happened with Hashem? What did he think? He thought Midas Adin is going to work. Ra, then he said, mm. You know, it's Melo when somebody's building a house. You know how Jews build a house? You make plans and the blueprint, uh, the blueprint and construction. And then after he finishes building the house, you come in. This is the wrong place. You go back from scratch. But that's because you didn't imagine what it's going to look like. But L'cha'ira, he knew what it's going to be. So put in Midas Harachim and L'chadchila. Besides, there's another question. He doesn't say all these questions, but it's obvious that this is what's bothering him from his explanation. It says, Bereshus bara elikim. He actually created it with elikim. It's not only Allah b'machshav al-livir So first we say it was only a thought. Then he saw that the oilam is not existing. So in other words, it actually happened. So how do we understand this whole Maimer Chazal? So Pirish Pshat is as follows. Mitchila haya midas hadin midas hatsimtzum. Midas Haddin here means the Midah of Tzimtzum. What's the Midah of Tzimtzum? To restrict and to eclipse the light, the energy, the presence of the infinite one, blessed be he, which the name captures who he is. Ein Saif means, we call it, the light of the Ein Saif, the projection of the Ein Saif, which its name tells you what it is. It's Ein Saif, it's infinite, it's endless. Which is, by the way, the general term, that in, in Sifrei HaKabola, and Sifrei HaChsidus, is used for Hashem. Usually the term that's used is Ein Saif Baruch Ein Saif. And that's very significant, because it immediately challenges us to put to rest the notion that God is some existence. There's God in the clouds, in one hand a drill, in the other hand cotton candy, waiting to see what you're going to do. So there's this, this God, this big, huge, muscular, powerful, dark, powerful eyes, or whatever the images that people construct, even though it says, but it's hard to tell that to somebody who's still dealing with four-year-old uh, experiences of what God means, as discussed once in the past. But immediately, Ein Saif already means something else. Ein Saif means the infinite one. The infinite one means, what, is the, what does infinite mean? It means there's no space, there's no concept devoid of it. In other words, it's another word for reality. Where is reality? Where is not reality? Does reality end at the end of this book? Does reality end at the end of this table? 
Does reality end with me? That's called narcissism. <laughs> right? Reality ends here, and everything outside of here is not reality. You think it's reality. Everybody understands reality is reality. <laughs> Wherever, if there is anything anywhere, it's reality. If not, not. So Ein Saif immediately tells us a notion that you're dealing with reality. We're dealing with infinity. So essentially it challenges us to understand this in a more, I would say, sophisticated fashion. But immediately when you're talking about Ein Saif, Kishmai Kenu Ein Saif. So we wanted He wanted the world should emerge as a yesh. A yesh means a something, a thing independently. It should appear to the eyes of physical flesh. That's what he wanted. Mind stretching, I should say, or mind bending, we already begin to see 
the uh, nebulous nature of even physical reality, what we call, you know, materialism for a long time was was the god. It was it it, it, it had the t- it it ruled with tyranny. The idea of materialism. We live in a very material universe. Uh, Today it's almost laughing stock to say that we live in a material universe. Uh, there's very little material about the material universe, but it's certainly perceived that way. Yeah. No, that's my point. Another way of saying ain't soif is that Hashem is reality. Where is reality? Are you in reality? Huh? You think your community is out of reality? You're also in reality. <laughs> You're in reality. Reality means rea- what's. Re- how do you define reality? Tell me. Anybody has a definition for reality? I don't know what Mr. Webster says. Huh? That which we can perceive or or can conceive of. <laughs> re- re- whatever. I don't know. You have definitions. I think it's good and bad. <laughs> I think if you feel pain, that's, that's reality. If you feel pleasure, that's reality. It's re- it's every person has their own version. No question, everybody has their own version of reality. Call it from the world real. In other words, all, all of existence is part of reality. We all live in reality. I can't be out of reality, right? Be not reality. You're, you, we're all in reality. So, ain't soif essentially means that is reality. That is reality. Reality is endless. doesn't stop anywhere. Every concept, every space, it's all part of reality. In other words, if you want, and sometimes it's helpful, it's good to substitute the word God with the word reality. The reality of reality. The reality of reality. Or to put it in different words, to put it in different words... Get real. To put it in different words, we exist in God. We exist in reality. We exist in the Ein Saif. We are an aspect of God. We're an aspect of Ein Saif. We're all an aspect of reality. You're an aspect of reality. I'm an aspect of reality. A frog is an aspect of reality. And a, a speck of dust is also an aspect of reality. Is reality relative? <laughs> <laughs> that too. Huh? Okay, that's I understand. That's human conversation. I'm not getting into that reality versus. Right, they're also reality. Yes, yes, they're also reality. Yeah. Okay, that's the meaning of the words Bereshus Bara. Shaloshin Bara Noifal Al Dover Shu Nivra Yeshmeaya. This is a quote from the Ramban. The Ramban on the word Bereshus Bara says, Rabbi Nomesha Benachman, whenever you use in Lashon Kaidish the word Bara, it means something from nothing. Yeshmeayin. So Bereshus Bara Elikim, Elikim Midas Hatsimtsum creates Yeshmeayin. Velichaida Eine Muva. This notion that the world was created Yeshmeayin is a term that's used. In most works of Jewish philosophy and Jewish thought, as I told you, the Ramban says it right on the spot in Chumash, and in many, many works of Machshavah Yisrael, the world is created yesh meyayin, as Jewish speakers love using the Latin word ex nihilo. Ex nihilo is something from nothing. 
But this doesn't make sense. Why do we call the world something from nothing? It's the other way around. When we say the world was created something from nothing, it sounds like it was created from nothing. So the world is something and it was created from nothing, but it was created from him. So everything in his presence is like not. In other words, it doesn't have significance. It doesn't have independent value. The lower you go, the more it's considered ayin. And whatever is higher is more a yesh. In the terms of the Pasuk, the Pasuk says in Mishle, is the end of the whole Shas, Masech to Uktsen. So the ultimate schar is called a yesh. Why is the evolution of the world called creation something from nothing? In other words, it comes from a nothing and it emerges into a something. Where really it's the other way around. The higher you go to the source, the more yesh. The more distance you go from the source the more ayin. So he says, it's the other way around. Kula kamei kaloi. him, everything is kaloi. And whatever is lamata is more ayin. Whatever is lamayla is more yesh. So it's the other way around. Call it ayin. Miyesh, not yesh miyayin. For inyanu, the concept is, kamei the Pasuk says in Tehillim Peidalid, ki shemesh umogin Hashem alikim. Hashem is a Shemesh, a sun, and a mug and a shield. So the world teaches the Pasuk. Hashem Alekim is a sun and a shield. Gives us heat, gives us warmth, and gives us protection. He says, no, no. Shemesh, a mug, and Hashem Alekim, there's a split here. Havayu b'b'chines moir Hashemesh atzma. Ve'alekim hu'b'chines mugenu mechsa sh'ulahalem ulahastir moir guf Hashemesh bal yeiro akim b'b'chines zivhar. Hashem Alekim is like Shemesh and Mogin. Hashem is like the sun. The sun itself, the ball, the Moir HaShemesh, the, the sun itself. Elikim is the Mogin. The sun has like a, what is it called? A, a, halo? Huh? a halo. A halo, a shield, a seath, a lavush, to cover it, to block the intensity of the sun, the, 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 the sun that we should only experience a ziv, a ray, a glimmer. If you wouldn't have the halo protecting us from the sun. The sun would not project as a ray. The ray would become nullified and lost in the light, in the sun itself. This is what Chazal call. Chazal says, the Gemara says in the beginning of Avodah Zarah that when Mashiach comes, when the Asad Lavi, he's going to take the sun out of its nartik, out of its encasement. And that is going to be a different type of sun. The impact of the sun is going to be different. Now what we have is, we have a ray of the sun that we can enjoy. It gives us light, it gives us heat, it gives us warmth, and it gives us all the benefits. What does this mean spiritually? You'll have the Shemesh without the mugging. You have the Ein Soif without the halo, without the encasement that eclipses the infinity. This is what the Pasuk says in Yeshaya. 
He says the glory of God will be revealed and all flesh will see. What does it mean they'll see? It means they'll see it with their mind's eye like when you comprehend something. Chachamim are always called the eyes of the community. Why are the Chachamim called the eyes of the community? Why are they called the eyes? Because they are, they have more acute perception. They see, they capture, they get it. That's what a leader is. He sees what other people don't see. It doesn't mean physical vision. It means intellectual vision, moral vision, spiritual vision. That's what a leader needs. To be able, a community without eyes doesn't know where to go. Doesn't know how to deal with ditches, with stumbling blocks. The Gemara says at the end of Saita. The face of the generation will be like the face of the dog. So we saw Salanta says, it was a face like a dog. Why so so insulting? So he says, it's not insulting. A dog goes ahead of the master. But whenever it reaches a fork, the dog turns around to see what the master says. So he says, there'll be a generation, there'll be a lot of leaders, but they're going to be like dogs. Officially they're leaders, but whenever there's a serious choice, they turn around. And they see what the oilam wants, where the wind is blowing, and that becomes the decision. In other words, they'll always tell you, it's a good idea, but I cannot be first to do it. <laughs> That's the line. I cannot be first to do it because if there's no momentum behind me, I can't do it. So, means to have vision. Yeshaya Hanavi says, I with eye, ayin ba'ayin, eye to eye, they will see how Hashem returns, meaning, there will not be any more a concealment of brute materialism, which eclipses the ruchnius. What's the ruchnius? The presence of God and His holiness. What is this Chaymer Hagashmi? Everything, heaven, earth, and anything that's in it. Yeshaya Hanavi says at the end, the Perik Samachvav, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. What does it mean there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth? It means you'll look at heaven and you'll see a different heaven. You look at earth, you'll see a different earth. It's the same heaven and earth. But what you see is Ani Oisa. You see that it's my energy. It's Ein Saif. There's nothing but the Ein Saif. The world is divine. The world is essentially divine energy. But the sun is eclipsed. Because the sun is eclipsed, we have only access to the mugging. And therefore you can get little rays of the sun that don't burn you up. You can have an ego, you can have autonomy, and the world looks like a physical place, even though it's not. And therefore, Kishemesh or Mugin Hashem Alekim is two things. The Shemesh is Hashem, the Mugin for the Shemesh is Alekim, that's how he touches the Pasuk. This is Pshat. The world was created. The ray of the divine should come out as a yesh from a state of ayin. When was it in a state of ayin? When it was in its source. When the ray of the sun is in the sun itself, it doesn't have a name. It doesn't have an independent reality. It's submerged in the source of the luminary. It doesn't have a name. Once the ray comes out of the sun, it assumes status and prominence and significance. But in the case of the sun, 
the ray actually leaves the sun. So we can assume its own independent reality. When it's in the sun, you don't look at the sun and you say, oh, I see. You don't talk about a light wave in the solar core. You understood? Mm-hmm. You talk about light waves here. We're all experiencing light waves. But in the solar core, in the core, in the in the moyer, in the guf Hashemish, in the sun itself, you don't talk about a light wave. Mm-hmm. Why don't you talk about a light wave? Not because it's not there. It's subsumed. <laughs> it's, subsumed. it's submerged. Here, a light wave has a lot of shivas. Right in Chelem, they once had a debate, what's more important, the sun or the moon? So for seven days they argued, and they came to a conclusion that the moon is far more important, because the sun shines when it's daytime anyway. So who needs it? <laughs> this is how good the sun is, right? Somebody once said, Rashi is so good, that you don't think you need him, right? He's so good, you don't think you need him. The Gemara is so clear. So when the ray is in the sun, when the ray is outside of the sun, the light wave is significant. But in the solar core, the light wave is subsumed. It forfeits its independent identity. But there's a mugging. And the mugging is what weakens the intensity of the sun. And it allows for a ray that we can appreciate, we can absorb. It doesn't burn us up. Even if our planet was a little closer to the sun, not much, just a little closer to the sun, it would not be able to exist just if it was further would be able to it would freeze so that's an, an, that's important to understand that the the ziv becomes a yesh only because it goes out of the mucker but here we're talking about the ein soif so there's no place where the ziv could come out so that's why he says it's yesh may ayin his question is how could you call it ayin fakert hashem is the real yesh the answer is, it's talking about the Ur. The Ur was Ayin in the source. And now the Ur, the Ur of the Ainsayv, the divine energy becomes a Yesh. It assumes somewhat of a uh, limited, a more limited existence. Because if the Meyer was present, it would be Ayin. The light, the ray would be Ayin. It would be completely subsumed and submerged in the source, which is Ainsayv. So the Ziv is a yesh which emerges from a state of ayin, because in the source, it's not oila as a shame oiviziv. Ritsoyni loima, the meaning is this. The expression of God's ray of light, which gives life, and is manifested in heaven and earth, who gam kein bebchines yesh me ayin ve'efes mamish. Hashem's energy is called Yesh Me'ayin. Why? When it was subsumed in its source, it was submerged in the luminary. You can't speak about a light wave in the, in the solar core. What allows the Ziv, the ray, to assume an egotistical, auton- not autonomous, never autonomous, but a self-contained reality, you must have the shield. <laughs> the Pasuk says in Mishlei, I'm sorry, in Iyoyv, literally the Pasuk means, we are going to find Chachma. What is it, a diamond? What is it, a, 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 a can of orange juice you can find? it? Where are you going to find Chachma? The Balatanya teaches, no, Shagam his Havus Chachma Yilo Nikri Yesh Me'ayin. 
Even Chachma comes from Ayin. Even Chachma, the highest level of Chachma, Seichel, is a Yeshme Ayin. In other words, even Seichel is a creation. Intellect is not reality. Intellect is a creation into reality. That it also comes yesh me'ayin. V'zehu, this is the meaning of a very strange conversation in Parshas B'Shalach. After Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, the Jewish people turn to Hashem and they, they turn to Moshe and they say, Hashem tells to Moshe, they're wondering, Hayesh havaye b'kirbenu im ayin. Is Hashem among us or not? Hayesh Hashem b'kirbenu im ayin. That's the question. Is Hashem among us or not? So he teaches, this is not such a simple question of rabble rousers. This is a deep question. Pirush im shem havaye meir bono ayidei hamogin v'nartek. What we want to understand what's our relationship with God now after Yitzhiya's Mitzrayim? <clears throat> is Shem Hashem shining to us only through the shield? And then this ray is called Yeshme Ayin. Im Ayin. Or not. Hainu Shemeir Bonu Milmailam Ebchinis Mogain. The Hainu Meein Moitsi Chamam in Artika. Shepchinizu Nikra Ayin. Are we getting the yesh or are we getting the ayin? If we're getting the divine energy through a shield, hayesh Hashem bekerbeinu, we're getting the yesh. And then it's one relationship. We have identity. Im ayin, no, what we're getting is the solar core. If we're getting the solar core, the ziv, havaya, havaya is the energy of Hashem, midas that is ayin. That's completely subsumed in the source. Hayesh Hashem Bekirbeinu. Are we getting a lakus as a yesh? Havai is becoming a yesh. In other words, the, the ziv, so to speak, leaves the moyer. The ray leaves the source. So it's perceived as an independent reality and it gives room for human identity, human choice, human existence, human ego. Im ayin. Or maybe, no, it's a different level of reality. We're actually being introduced to HaKadosh Baruch Hu Moitzi Chamam in Artika. The sun comes out of the seeth, and therefore the Oyer and Ziv doesn't have a Metzius. It's Ayin, Im Ayin. It's not a Yesh anymore. Im Ayin. That's the question they wanted to know about. Yeah. So it comes out that the Ma'ayin is really not a reality of nothingness. It's a relative nothingness. Right. This ayin that we talk about is really quite big. <laughs> it's, it's the source of all existence. It's divine energy that animates all existence. But what? Yes, yes, yes. In other words, it's ayin because it's really ayin in the Ein Saif. It's ayin in the solar core. But because it emerges, because of the Kayach HaTzimtzum, Midas Adin, right? It emerges as a yesh. So therefore you could get it without the sun. If you would get it with the sun, it wouldn't be a yesh v'davar. It's a limited energy. Hashem animates the world in a restricted way so everything can assume its own identity. And we don't feel ourselves as Ein Saif. And we look at the world and we see a physical reality. We don't see anything else. We see a real physical world. Is that true or not true? Because of the tzimtzum, it is true. If you can understand the perspective pre-tzimtzum, which still exists, then it's not. As will be explained by Torah.
page 109, Nunhei, column 1. We're middle of the page. So in, in Parshas B'Shalach, the Jewish people are leaving after they leave Mitzrayim, and uh, they come to a situation where there's no water, they come to Rafidim, there's no water, and uh, they're complaining, you know, why did you take us out of Mitzrayim to kill us and our children and our cattle through thirst? And Moshe is afraid that the Jews are going to stone him. Today is Yud Ches Elul, the 18th day of Elul, which is the birthday of the Baal Shem Tev and of the Baal Atanya. Both of them were born on the 18th day of Elul, the Baal Shem Tev in 1698 and the Baal Atanya in 1745. It happened to be both of them were born on a Wednesday. Therefore, there's an expression that Chai Elul is the Yoim Hailedus of Shnei Ma'oiris Agdoilam. Because it says that on Wednesday, Hashem put up in the heavens Shnei Ma'oiris Agdoilam, the two great luminaries, the sun and the moon. So there's an expression, Chai Elul is the birthday of Shnei Ma'oiris Agdoilam, because they happened both to be born on Chai Elul, which was Wednesday, like this year. One in the year Tof Nun Ches, 5000 Tof Nun Ches Nachas, which is 1698. And the second, Al uh, a few decades later, Tav Kuf Hay, which is Hayalov Tav Hay, which is 1745. So that's known as Chai Elul, or 18th day of Elul. And no Tav right? So when the Jewish people, the Jewish people are complaining for water, so Moshe Rabbeinu, Moshe Rabbeinu says they're, gonna, they're going to stone me, so Hashem tells them the famous uh, story, take the stick and strike the rock, this is the first time around, and water will come out. Tariq completes, the, finishes the story and says that he called the place Masa and Meriva because of the fight of the Jewish people and the testing of God. What did they say? Hayesh Hashem bekirbenu im oyen. Is Hashem among us or not among us? On a literal level, this is a very derogatory, uh, it's a very uh, denigrating story that the Jewish people, after everything they saw, could stand up and ask a question is God among us or not among us? Or not among us? And the Torah says the next portion is Amalek comes and attacks them. That's how people shot. The Torah, the Balatanya, reveals a whole depth to this question on a, on a much deeper way. This wasn't Stam a question of God is among us. It was actually a very profound question. How is God among us? Is it Yesh Hashem Bekirbeinu? Or it's Oyen? Is it in a state of Yesh? Or is it in a state of Oyen? Now one would have to understand why was, the, why was it then considered as a negative question. It seems on the contrary, a very profound question, a beautiful question. Okay, that will become clearer soon. But what's the question if he's in the state of Yesh or he's in the state of Ayin? So this has to do with what he explained, what Yesh Me'ayin is. The Ramban says that Bereshis Bara means Hashem created the world, Yesh Me'ayin, something from nothing. It's not like the world, something existed and it was developed. It was something from nothing. Now this, used to, in ancient Greek philosophy, this was a very big issue. Aristotle disagreed and Plato disagreed. And it's Tafke in our generation when the ideas of the Big Bang emerged, Stam Der 
which basically defines and says that there's a beginning. There's a beginning to this reality that we call the cosmos, that we call the universe, a big bang. The big question is, from a scientific point of view, what was before the big bang, and what caused the big bang? If the material was there, ad infinitum, yeah, ad infinitum, ad ad infinitum. This is Brooklyn pronunciation. Uh, if it was there, what caused at some point the pressure to gather so much that there should be boom, the explosion of the Big Bang? Right? You had the primary they call it the primordial soup, or what we would call the primordial chulant, probably looked like a chulant more than like a soup. So what caused suddenly this primordial soup to have so much pressure if you say it took a year, two years, three years, what was so so, so it started three years before the Big Bang, ten years, a billion years, a hundred billion years. What exactly caused it? Science at this point says, we don't know. We don't know. Fine. But the Big Bang means there's a beginning. There's a beginning. So the Ramban already speaks about this. Ramban says, yesh I. The question he asks here is, why would Chachme Yisrael refer to the world as yesh I? Something from nothing. On the contrary. The world comes from the real yesh. The world comes from the real yesh, not from mine. Comes from Hashem. That's the real yesh. For the world legabi that is ayin. The world legabi the source is ayin is is very insignificant, right? But yet we call the world yesh, and the source of the world we call ayin. It didn't come from nothing. It came from the creator of the world. That was the question. So the answer he suggests here in this mimer of Tikkun Bachayde Shayfer Bakaseleim Chagenu has to do with the idea of Shemesh Umogin Hashem Alekim, that in the process of creation there are two names that are employed constantly, the name of Yudke Vavke, which we call Harvaya, Yudke Vavke Hashem, or in the name of Lekim. And David HaMelech defines them as the sun and the encasement of the sun, the shield of the sun, the... Sheath. Huh? Sheath. Yeah, sheath, the nartek. In Gemara it's called the nartek, the sheath of the sun, which basically uh, eclipses compromises, dilutes, and weakens, diminishes the impact, the intensity of both the light and the heat, and the fiery heat of the sun. So Havaya Elikim, Elikim is the mugging on the Shemesh. What would there be if there would not be a mugging? So then the Chama would be coming out of its sheath, of its encasement, of its of its keli, of its container, of its nartik, which would represent two of an intense light and energy for us to be able to deal with. So when Hashem will take out the Chama in our teka, it's not a simple process because it's very powerful and it's too potent. It may be too potent. The same is true on a spiritual level, that Elikim is the Mogain, which basically eclipses the sun itself, that one should be able to get only a ray of the sun. One should be able to get only... A glimmer, only a fraction of the light of the sun. So spiritually it means that the Ein Saif is eclipsed by the Shema Lekim, which is the Midas Hadin, which is the Midas Hatzimtzum, that eclipses it. And as a result of that, it allows the world to emerge as an independent reality. When you say that the world was created Yesh Mayayin, what does it then mean? It means that... The, the the light of the divine that animates the world is called ayin. That's what's called. Why is it called ayin? 
Because when this light of Hashem is in its source, in the sun, it doesn't have a status, doesn't have a name, it doesn't have an identity. It's completely forfeited within the source itself. It would be like we said, like the light, like a light wave in the solar core. It doesn't have an autonomous identity. It doesn't even have an identity. It's there. The light waves are outside of the sun. They're certainly in the sun also, but it's subsumed. It's bottle. It's You don't look at the sun and you say, "Oh, look at the at the ray inside the sun." It doesn't have a tfisas makam, it doesn't have a significance, it's all part of the sun. So therefore, when it leaves the sun, now it has a name, it has a significance. It's the rays of light that come into everybody's home and come in and illuminate planet Earth. Whoever is in direct contact with, in contact with it, now it has a yesh, it has a metzias. When it's in its source, it's called ayin. So why is the world called yesh mayayin? Because the divine energy that gives existence to the world is called Ayin. Why is it called Ayin? Because in its source, in the divine luminary, it would be defined as Ayin. What makes it so significant and so powerful to the point that it animates all of existence is that the source is eclipsed. And because the source is eclipsed, therefore, it can create and give room for a world that has its own limited Identity, its own ego, its own autonomy, its own independence, a world that looks like a separate reality of the Ein Saif. Because the Ein Saif is not manifested in a present, uh, revealed way in this physical and conceptual space of our universe. So therefore, the Gilui Haziv, the revelation of a ray, emerging from our perspective as something separate, it's really not separate. Because the source is here. It's not like the sun that actually has a physical location and the ray leaves the sun. That's in the mushroom and the nimshal doesn't work that way. It's not like the sun itself is only in a certain place and the ray comes out of the sun. The source is here. But what's perceived by the consciousness of the world is the ziv, the ray. The tiny, minute, restricted energy that trickles down and allows for a consciousness of a universe. Every aspect of the universe according to, its, according to its chemistry and according to its identity. Spiritual creatures, physical creatures, heaven and earth. From the largest galaxy to the tiniest mosquito, to the tiniest flea or, uh, or worm, which also has its type of consciousness. So therefore, for the ziv to have an independent quality, to emerge as a yesh, it's only through the mugging. And that's called yesh me'ayin. The yesh of the world comes from the ayin, from the oir, from the light which is called ayin. And the light itself is a yesh me'ayin. It leaves the source from our perspective in order to become a yesh. When the Jewish people left Mitzrayim, they asked this question. Hayesh Hashem bekirbeinu im ayin. Is Hashem among us or not? It's not a question if He exists among us. It's a profound, very profound question. And that is, what is the nature of our relationship with God today? Do we say that the Shem Havaya is shining to us through the Magen? And if it's through the Magen, so then this ray is called Yesh Me'ayin. It's a Yesh that emerges from its own Ayin. Hayesh Hashem Bekirbeinu or Im Ayin. Or perhaps, it's not that case. Perhaps, 
what is shining in us is not Elikim. We have access to Havaya itself, which is the Shemesh itself, beyond the Magen. In other words, the sun was taken out of its taken out of its sheath, and therefore, then what would it be called? Then the Ziv that's creating the world would be called Ayin. Hayesh Hashem Bekerbeinu Im Ayin. Is the Shem Havaya coming out in a state of Yesh through the Ziv, or is it coming into a state of Ayin because we're having access to the Chama Minarteka? In other words, this is really a question about the journey of Jewish history. Is it that we're going to experience the world from the perspective of Ein Saif without autonomy? Or is it that we're going to experience the world as an independent reality? This is a profound question that's bothering the Jewish people. They want Moshe Rabbeinu to explain to them and guide them what this journey is going to look like with extreme ramifications. No. Why are we complaining about this question? Masa, Meriver, Fidim, Amalek. Okay, it's obviously elevated to another level, but we'll soon see what the issue here is with this question. So now he continues. He says, V'zeu inyan b'reishis bar elikim. The line starts, inyan b'reishis bar elikim. Elikim hainu b'chines haziv hanimshech ha'yidei ha'magin. Elikim is God, it's the ray that is communicated through the shield. Nikre b'riye yesh me'ayin. This is called the b'riye, which is yesh me'ayin. Ela shuhu inyan b'riye shabatzilus hainu b'chines v'hachachme me'ayin timotze. Here the b'riye is still on a higher state of consciousness, it's called the world of Atzilus, which is what the Pasuk says in Eir, the Chachma comes from Ayin. Basically, the Chachma itself comes from a state of Ayin. It's a Yesh that comes out of Ayin. Okay, now there is a, uh, a longer footnote, probably by the Tzamech Tzedek, where he discusses some of these, these ideas from a more esoteric point of view. So I want to go till the end of the parentheses, if you'll see... The end of the parentheses starts the line Pchinas Yeshme Ayin, the Kah Hayu Klulim, the Kah Hayu Klulim. The Kah Hayu Klulim Kala Oilam is Vabriam Bimatsilam Baruchu Bimchinas Helam. Thus, all the worlds, all the creations were first submerged in their Matzil. Matzil means in Bahalaisha we have Hashem tells Moshe Vatsalti min Haruach Asher Alecha. I will um be matzil, I will uh, emanate is the word. I will emanate from the spirit that's on you. I will emanate it to 70 elders who were appointed by Moshe to be prophets together with them. So the matzil is the emanator of light, like the sun would be the emanator of the ziv. So he says all the worlds were included in the original matzil, in the source. Bebchines helem and concealment. Them emerging from concealment to revelation, that there should be a concrete reality which we call worlds or creations, as a yesh as something, and an independent reality, this is essentially a ray of this light, or Kumashakasav, we say in the morning in Tehillim, Hoidai means his glory, his splendor, his ray. Hoid, Hoid Vahadar. Like Karne Hoid of Moshe, right? Hoid And this is what we call Yeshme Ayin Mamash. Yeshme Ayin Mamash. Yeshme Ayin is not only about how it started, but it's a definition of current existence. That it's a Yesh of the state of Ayin. Parentheses. Pirush. 
when we say the worlds were included in the source. We know the Pshat of it's the Navi Yeshaya says, My thoughts are not your thoughts. By a person, thought doesn't accomplish anything. You think of something, it's a dream. Hashem, when he had a thought and a will to create, so the world was created through this thought. I think, therefore I am. He thought, therefore it was. So when he had a thought to create the world, that thought already constitutes the structure and the existence of all the worlds. This doesn't mean that the world the way it is now existed in thought when he had a will for it. The koyach of the world, the ruchnius of the world. The hainu shekamoshi yashasiyah gashmius, kach yashasiyah shabatzilus, shishreder shemukher hasiyah gashmius. Every physical phenomenon in this world has a spiritual source. Kamayal derech moshe, mesikas atapuach. Take the sweetness of an apple. Where does sweetness of an apple come? Mimazel hamakaboy. The Gemachazal say every plant, every bush, every fruit has a mazel that strikes in and says, grow. The Pasuk says in Kehelas, and it goes higher and higher. Everything, every phenomenon in this world doesn't begin with physicality. It begins with a spiritual energy that then reincarnates and assumes material reincarnations. So light doesn't begin with physical light, it begins with spiritual light. Spiritual light is called Chachma. The Pasuk says, The fool walks in darkness. Darkness and light is a euphemism for wisdom. But it's not just a euphemism, light begins in wisdom. But then when wisdom evolves, it assumes a material incarnation until it becomes physical light. The sweetness of an apple doesn't begin with the sweetness of an apple. There's a concept of sweetness spiritual and spiritual worlds. And then it evolves. It goes through a process of evolution from the spiritual to the physical. And in each universe, it assumes a more brute incarnation until it assumes a very physical incarnation. So when you say the whole world was really included in the source, like the ray of the sun in the sun itself, right? In other words, in Hashem, you have the whole world. This means when there was a machshava to create the world, you have the whole world. But it would be like an architect who dreams up the design of a house. The whole house is in his mind. But what do we mean the whole house is in his mind? The couches, the wiring, the ceilings, the foundations, they're not in his mind. The design of the house, the energy of the house, the look of the house, the concept of the house, and the physical house is really just an expression of that concept. So the world begins, it originates in the ray that is within the source. And then... It goes out from a state of concealment to a state of revelation where it assumes the concrete manifestation of the world on every level of existence from the spiritual to the physical. In one machshava, all the worlds were created. There's two states of Yashmeyayin. 
for the creation of a Ruchni is the world is also Yashmei. For there to be validity, significance to that Ziv, that itself is a Yashmei, because the Ziv itself is Ayin. Now comes stage B, where it comes out of the womb, so to speak, from thought into Asiyah. This is, of course, Yashmayan. This is a whole new Yashmayan from Ruchnius to Gashmis. But even from godliness to Ruchnius is Yashmayan. From the source of the sun to the ray of the sun to the Ziv is already a process of Yashmayan. Even the way it's still in the divine womb, in the divine thought. But that is all a spiritual universe. In other words, you have the whole universe on many different levels. There are parallel universes. Parallel universes, we're talking Kabbalistically speaking, parallel universes, means that the entire world exists on various planes. So the apple here, you could discuss a cup of coffee in Olam HaAsiyah. You could discuss a cup of coffee in Olam HaYitzira, in Olam HaBriya, it's the same cup of coffee, but it doesn't necessarily have physical properties. It's the concept of coffee, it's the concept of sweetness, it's the concept of femininity, it's the concept of, of light, and what does the concept of light mean? In every world it has a different projection. In this world it means something physical and tangible. But removing the coverings, you could look into it and you could see what it is in its source. Where does it begin? It begins as divine energy. That's what it is. And then it assumes a physical incarnation which we call a yesh. And even in its ultimate beginning, it's called yesh me'ayin. Why? Because really the ray which is the world, the divine energy, is subsumed in the source. But he allows for the process of concealing the Shemesh, so that the mugging should allow for the Yesh, which means the Ziv, to emerge, and then it goes through the whole process of thought, to speech, to action, and that's the world ultimately we inhabit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Even Machshav. Like the Ziv in the Shemesh, the a world, a world, divine energy that is defined as a world, whether it's 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 Chachma or Bina or whatever it is, but it's already not, it's not the ain't soif in its full, full intensity. This is what we say in the morning. Baruch Sha'amar Blessed is the one who said, and the world came out. The Sha'amar is the first world. It's the world that came through one thought. He who Amar. It's the oilam that's still from Omar, from the one machshava came on oilam. which is absolute divine energy. What do you have after that? What's the difference of Omar and Omar Omar is still the whole world, but it's the world in a state of Omar. Oimer v'oise is the world in a state of Asiya. The same universe, but this is a spiritual universe, an abstract universe. And then every aspect assumes a physical incarnation. This is what's called the evolutionary process, from the spiritual to the physical. It's called Seder Hishtashilus. So that means when you're looking at snow, you're looking at a snowfall, you're looking at a rainfall, you're looking at a lightning, at a thunder, you're looking at an ocean, you're looking at the process of a tree growing. 
you could look at it from many perspectives. You, from a superficial perspective, all you see is snowflakes, an opportunity to build a snowman, and the kids are excited, there's no school, as winter will soon come. Fine, that's one level. Then you could look at it from a much more sophisticated, say, uh, meteor- the meteorologist, uh, the scientist who understands how snowflakes form, and what's the climate that's necessary for their formation, and what they're made up of, and that's very real, the chemistry of, of the science of a snowfall, which is, of course, very fascinating. But that's all dissecting the physical properties of the snowflakes. But now, you try to understand what is the energy, there's a Dvar Hashem, there's a unique divine energy that's giving rise to these physical properties. The snow doesn't begin as physical snow. The snow begins as a concept. And that concept, you can elevate one world, go to one world, go to another, and in each world there's snow. Until you start off with the world of Atsilas, which is basically the whole world, but the way the world is in his womb. It's basically the world in the mind of the architect. It's the house in the mind where you have the whole house, but it's all brain waves. It's all still a spiritual entity, it's still a metaphysical entity, which will be manifested one day in physical pipes, and physical foundations, and physical wires, and ceilings, and floors, and all the components of the house, till the last couch, till the last granite counter, till the food in the refrigerator. Well, that's not the architect's domain, actually, or the refrigerator at all. But it all begins in thought. But here, it's not just a plan of the house. It's actually the house itself in an elevated, sublime form. And then you have what's called Seder Shtashlis, the evolutionary process. And already the original original house is already Yesh Me'ayin. It's already Yesh Me'ayin. And then, when it comes out into a physical incarnation, that's Baruch Sha'amar V'hoya Ha'olam, and then Baruch Oimer V'oysa, the way it comes into Asiyah. That's what he says. So, for example, you have Chachma is light but it's not the light that we know. But the reason light travels 186,000 miles per second, yeah? The reason light travels 100,000 miles per second is because it's Chachma. So in Chachma, it's not expressed in speed, because Chachma is a, is a metaphysical phenomenon. When Chachma is expressed in physical property, in the, we call light, it has different properties than most other things that we recognize. It has paradoxes. It has an intense speed that is extraordinary. But what is it really? It's really a manifestation of the physical, the physical chachma. So really an understanding of the universe means an understanding of the universe on all of its levels throughout the entire evolutionary process. Not to be confused with another evolutionary process of Darwin's evolution. We're not talking here about Darwin evolution. That's evolution from the... From the... <laughs> From that, whatever, that's another form of evolution. Here we're talking about the evolution from Atsilas to Briya, Yitzhira, see, we're talking about the evolution from the spiritual to the physical. said. You understood what he said? He said, so there's two stages of Yeshmayayin. There's the original Yeshmayayin, which is the divine energy breaking away from its source, from our perspective. Breaking, not from a real, from our, it breaks away from its source, and therefore it's called Yesh. It's called a Yesh. Like the Ziv has its own identity, meaning the divine energy which assumes a reality which we would ultimately call the universe, which is the whole universe, the way it's subsumed in the divine, the way it's really divine energy. And then there is the second stage of Yeshmaya, where it actually breaks away from the world of the spirit 
into the world of matter. Now we know today, this was Einstein's great contribution, is that matter and energy are interchangeable. Where they used to think that matter and energy are two separate realities, matter and energy are interchangeable. Okay, so what Einstein called energy is not what we're calling energy, but nonetheless the idea is that the Geshem and the Ruach are closer than one imagines. So that the matter is really essentially also another form of energy. That's in terms of science, in terms of 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 teira, of teira, what we mean is that the matter is really that world. It's really energy expressed through matter, and therefore the very makeup of the matter essentially is also spiritual energy that just assumes a veneer of a veneer of matter. And we know that uh, we've mentioned this quite a few times. You know, the more the universe is dissected, anybody who reads any cutting edge uh, articles, essays, journals. Uh, about what is the world made up of, it's more and more going away from a simple materialistic nature. Uh, to say today that the world is a place, is a material place, is is almost uh, making a, you know, it's, it's, it's almost a mockery to say that. Uh, the more and more one discovers that at the core, that at the core of tangible reality is something as uh, intangible beyond even our, our imagination. So he finishes here this paragraph, he says, This is the difference between the revealed world and the unconscious, the concealed world. Almadis Galia means all the Madregas are seen as separate in a revealed way. Almadis Galia means in the source, there's still Batal B'Metziyas. In other words, it's an ayin. So you have two, when you speak about the world, even the Ruchni is the world. Almadis Galia means you have a world that you could talk about. Almadis Kasi also have it. Because the Ayin is there, but it's just Ayin. So it's called Almadis Kasi, it's concealed. Concealed doesn't mean there's a blanket over it. Concealed means it doesn't have any sense of separateness. And therefore there's no Madregas. Not because there's no Madregas, they're all there. It's our issue. It's our, our. It's, not, huh? it's, not, it's not the issue of the source, it's the right. issue of us perceiving Yes, yes, so all the Madrekas are there, but the Madrekas don't have their own uh, yeshes or autonomy or independence. And he says, doesn't get into it, but in Yegimu Medes Harachim, you have Hashem, Hashem, Kel Rachim, V'chanon. So one Hashem produces Almedes Gastia, one produces Almedes Galia. Hard to do, uh, over exaggerate what's lay what lay in this line. Every morning we say Now chronologically, this is a little off because the first thing should have been you created it. You created it. Now let's talk about it. It's pure, it's good, it's holy, it's nice, it's cute, it's charming, it's handsome. Whatever you want to say about your neshama, whatever you want to tell the shatchan, fine. But first tell me you created it. This means that there's something in the neshama before barasa. Elakai neshama shenasatabitahoyrehi is before barasa. Ata barasa starts a new process. What are these two states of neshama? These are the two antennas of the soul. Elakai neshama shenasatabitahoyri is a neshama that's higher than Bria. Why is it a neshama that's higher than Bria? This is the neshama of Almadiskasi, the Neshama that is still in the state of Ayin. So you can't say you created it. It's there, but it's completely part of the Ma'ir, it's part of the sun itself. Even though it's all there. The rays are there. It's not like the sun lacks light waves, not only like the sun is deprived of light waves, but you don't talk, the light waves are just part of the Ein Then you have Atavarasa. 
That's the source of the neshama, completely one, and that never changes. Then you have atavarasa, a layer of the soul that actually assumes a created being. It's still spiritual and divine and holy. It's, it's not corruptible. Then you have Atta Yitzarta, that's Yitzira. Then you have Atta Nefachta. Then you have Atta Meshamra Bekeber, where Yerusham actually meets Shmira. That's in this world. So you have here the whole evolutionary process. Tahirihi is Almadiskasya. Atta Varasa is creation. Atta Yitzarta, Atta Nefachta be from Yitzira and Asiya. And then Va'atta Meshamra Bekeber, Va'atta Asid Little Memeni. So therefore you have really layers of personality, and they're all there. Which part of you is true depends. Which part you zoom into. There's the element of consciousness that transcends consciousness. That's Neshama Shanasat to be Tahirihi. And then you have Atavaras, Atayitzartatanafachtabi. The Balatanya has a Taich that uh, this is Shemen Zayiz Zach Tahir. The Gemara says in Erev in Dafyud Gimel that for two and a half years Beshame and Basilil argued. Very, very interesting argument. The nature of the argument is only, only Jews would argue about this for two and a half years, and that is would have it been better to be created or not? Now, these are not people who are having suicidal thoughts. These were the leaders of the generation. Beishamai says it would have been much better if we were never created. Okay, wonderful news, Beishamai. Thank you. Thank you. Basil said, no, it would have been much better if we were created. After two and a half years, the Gemara says, and the Gemara says, says two and a half. Like not Shalom, three and not two, two and a half. Nimnu Vigamru, they decided to take a vote. What's that going to help? Okay, but they're going to take a vote. What's the vote? Beishamai wins. It would have been much better if you were not created than if you were created. I said, where I grew up, there was a Yid, his name was Zalman the Shikha. He was a classic alcoholic, but of, of a unique type, not, uh, not kiddish clubbers. Uh, he would sit on the Eastern Parkway Island all day with a bottle of Crown Royal, and he would drink, and he had very interesting thoughts. So he once told me, he said that... Uh, uh, all his philosophy in life comes from the first Rashi in Chumash. It says, God created the world. So Rashi right away says, There was really no need for it. <laughs> God created the world. You should have done something else with your precious time. There was really no need. So, you know, only somebody who's, uh, who's been through, who's been around the block a couple of times can have that heritage in Rashi. Amr so what's pshat? What What's it mean? What are Jews debating? Hashem decided to create a world. So two thousand years later, Beshamah and Basil sit down and say, "Was it a good idea or not a good idea?" First of all, nobody asked you. If you haven't real balkar what's this debating Gemara? Do you like it? You don't like it? Fine. among Chazal. And what's the psak? Psak is it was better without it. But the whole Sefer Bereshah is So who are we arguing with? God thinks it's a good idea. You decided it's a bad idea. Really? I mean, it, it's surprising for the Gemara. It's surprising for the Gemara. You think it's a bad idea? Okay. Tell your wife it's a bad idea. If you were God, don't do this. You don't want it. There's ways to get rid of it. I mean, what, what's this argument? So the Pshat is, the Pshat is, I'll be the title of the Balatanya. He says it's a very deep argument. Is the purpose of life to go to a space of loy nivra or to go to a space of nivra? The real noichius, the real nachas, the real menucha of a person is if he goes to the state of loy nivra, to his own space where he's pre-bria, 
Ultimately, that's the purpose of Yiddishkeit. The ability to be able to extricate yourself and be able to go back to that space of loy nivra yosem And Basil argued, Basil said, no, the kavana was dafke noyach leiladam to bring it into nivra, which is two streams of Beishamah and Basil in the whole Yiddishkeit. Uh, if heaven was created first, the earth was created first. Uh, for Beishamah, there's one agenda. For Basil, there's another agenda. The two meet, So nimnu v'gamru noyach adam but that's what he says here at the end that in the neshama there's a reflection of these two strands. One is the strand of tahirihi, and then there's atavarasu. Huh? You don't have to get to that state. That state is. That state is. The question is, could you become aware of that state? You don't have to get to that state. That's the whole idea. Neshama shenasata be tahirihi. It is tahirah. Real healing. The reason Bishamai wants that state is because real healing comes from there. Real, real healing comes from there. Because all trauma begins with the tra- tra- transition from Ayin to Yesh. All trauma begins with the transition from Ayin to Yesh. And people search to go back to the Ayin. Now, the way it's expressed in our world is sometimes very destructive. You just want to go back to the Ayin. You want to go to a place of nihilism. What is it called? Uh, nihilism. Nihilism. Thank you. Drugs. Drugs. Huh? Drugs. Drugs. Call it drugs or other forms, but you're looking for the Ayin. Spiritually, what are you looking for? You're looking for the original Ayin. You're looking for the original Ayin. Huh? The original Ayin. Yeah, the Loy this is what he's saying. There's a constant process. This is a this is a perpetual process. It's not once. In other words, the world has many layers. You could look. You could put on different glasses, and you see a different world. You see a world from Asiya. You see an external world. You see an internal world. Just like just like a layman and a scientist. I look and I see a styrofoam cup. That's it. I see maybe a little coffee inside. Now it's empty. Another person looks at it. You come with a. Uh, with a uh, electron microscope, <laughs> with a magnifying glass, or so you come with a with an a electron microscope. Okay, an electron microscope, even stammer microscope, certainly an electron microscope. Suddenly, you see a whole other reality, right? And then you see a world of molecules, and you see a world of billions, trillions, uh, sectillions, atoms move against the world. We call it doimim. It's not so doimim. It's pretty alive. It's pretty alive. Which is true? They're all true. It's different layers of existence. Right, so it starts off. It starts off with ayin. Let's we'll say it's with ayin. There's no mitzvahs. Alma discussia. It's all there, but it doesn't have a, it doesn't have a hergish. There's no hergish. So the real the real trauma of existence, the real trauma, as we'll see, starts off with the first process, consciousness. The tragedy of of, of civilization is the transition from ayin to yesh, from loy nivra to nivra. The whole world was there. But nothing felt itself as a Metzius. And because it didn't feel itself as a Metzius, it was actually one with itself, one with its source. The real trauma of existence begins the moment there's a transition from a state of Ayin to a state of Yesh, even when it's still in the womb of its, of its, of its mother, even when it's still pure divine energy. Then there's other forms of Yesh. But that's the beginning of the trauma of existence, so to speak, is that transition to a state of consciousness, even divine consciousness. Yes, yes, yes. That is the process. Of the process of creation is the courage to leave the womb, the primordial womb, and to become independent and fragmented. And in that process, one breaks because they're detached. Right? Huh? They feel detached. They feel detached. 
This class is brought to you by the yeshiva.net. Please help us continue the classes. Make even a small contribution at www.theyeshiva.net slash donate.